this is episode three of bite-sized classics and i decided to stick with the 60s and the the sort of era of the british invasion but today i'm not going to be looking at a british band i'm still in the era of the british invasion so around like 1964 specifically but the band that i'm going to be looking at is the birds who are an american um band and the title of the article is The Birds Trying to Catch the Worm in the Wake of Beatlemania. So I chose The Birds because I don't know, I didn't know a huge amount of their stuff. I knew like some of their top hits and everything like that. But in terms of their formation and like their peak maybe successes and what their journey in the industry was like as the British invasion was happening, I, I really had no idea about them so I thought it'd be interesting to do this article and research more about the birds because like I the last two episodes so I did Greens Clearwater Revival and the animals who I know I know their stuff and I kind of know their peak years of success and I know their members and I kind of know what went on and why they you know split and everything like that but for the birds I, I really didn't have a clue so it was just a chance to educate myself on a new old band but also share their journey and get people to listen to them, uh, to maybe even to get in touch, tell me what they think, were they, could they, if the Beatles hadn't have existed, would the birds have been a lot more prominent than they ended up being, or just general thoughts, like do you think, like I'm going to get into how the birds pioneered elements of folk rock and psychedelic rock, and do people agree, or were there other bands, do you think, who are more innovative in this style so just lots of questions um so i'll just get straight into it um so it may be difficult to determine the most competitive era for bands to have debuted in but american acts emerging after chuck berry and elvis but right before the british invasion faced a serious challenge in their fight for fame after the birth of rock and roll in the States and a very fruitful 50s, the eyes of the music industry looked across the water where a new wave of rock and roll was brewing in the UK. The USA had their time in the spotlight and with the new decade, the industry said, what's next? Where the blues genre drove the influences of Britain's rock and roll youth, California-based, the birds planted themselves from a roots foundation, pioneering early folk and psychedelic rock. Like many bands of the 60s, the band's original formation only enjoyed a few years of success as a collective, yet had a significant impact in shaping some of the many streams of rock and roll. So, composed of Roger McGinn, Gene Clark, David Crosby, Chris Hillman and Michael Clark, the Birds formed in 1964 when Beatlemania hadn't fully hit international waters, but had been introduced to McGinn and Clark. The duo were warmly influenced by the Fab Four, having performed acoustic covers as a duo act before approaching new ways to innovate rock and roll as The Birds. Evidently appreciative of the fellow Youngblood band seeping in from the Atlantic, or across the Atlantic, the quintet may not have been fully aware of the power of the incoming ripple of English bands about to steal the industry's spotlight. Combining Bob Dylan-esque folk with rock and roll, the blend was an appealing offer that balanced the foundation set by preceding American acts with the evolving contemporary style of acts coming in from Europe. So the birds, just to pause for a second, were trying to balance the best of both worlds and that's that's the, the, the level they were at at their debut. They had a great backing like the 50s was 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 the the decade for for rock and roll in in the US 
and then they had a lot more kind of new interesting things happening in Europe to draw from so it was all about trying to do what they wanted but also taking advantage of everything that was going on in in the US and the UK. So in August 1964, producer and manager Jim Dickinson offered the Birds an opportunity to record an unreleased track of Dylan's, which was Mr. Tambourine Man. Supposedly unimpressed with the single at first, the band's rock arrangement ended up being praised by Dylan himself, which was a needed boost of confidence for the group. Settling into their musical direction, the band approached new tools to evolve their sound, resulting in their characteristic use of the Rickenbacker 12-string guitar and the tambourine. In November of that year, the band was signed to Columbia Records. January 1965 saw their Dylan rendition be recorded as a single, and that was released in April, and work on their debut album began two months later. Soon becoming a must-see act in LA's nightlife scene, the band were growing a following of folk-focused fans with a curiosity into electronic rock and roll. Combining a mix of crisp harmonies and unison vocals with a compressed, bright guitar tone, the band were also noted for their intellectual and literary wordplay, which has dubbed them developers of songwriting in rock and roll. And I always say, uh, if you're a music fan, if you listen to a lot of music, you either either the music grabs you first or lyrics do. And for me, music does. I'm very bad for missing um, clever, clever lyrics and messages and everything like that. But um, if I was to dip, deeper into the birds and their um lyrical content i'd i'd probably find that yeah they they were quite um they were good songwriters and many many people have credited them for developing songwriting and and the depth the depth of songwriting in in a rock and roll context so overall in this article you'll find that the band are are now like today credited for a lot but at the time they just experienced like bad luck and it, it was just a lot of disappointment um I'll, I'll go over it at the very end but uh, when I was researching I was like oh right okay so like you know there was a bit of peak there there was a bit of success and then instantly something went wrong or they just it was just like yeah disappointment after disappointment and I felt really bad doing this research I was like Jesus especially because again the context of this article is like Beatlemania is going on so like just imagine having like that competition constantly hanging over you it was just kind of a it would have been a very difficult career for the birds and um, but anyway I'll keep going here by oh no wait yeah by the title track of the band's debut album so the tambourine man lp was released in june 1965 helping to initiate a year-long folk rock boom so again to note credited with pioneering folk rock and a folk rock boom Believed by critic William Ruhlman to have influenced acts such as The Turtles, The Leaves and Sonny and Cher. Their sound is also said to have seeped into The Beatles' Rubber Souls album, which was released that December. So as a band, The Beatles, again, were also credited with influencing, you know, some of their competition. But uh, The Beatles just, between, I suppose, their their publicist and their label and, and, and them, they were just always one step ahead or they were just always always just on a higher on the on the on the next stage up from the birds so again imagine having that constantly hanging over you um serious serious competition but by 1966 however the birds were moving on and exploring a more psychedelic rock sound releasing original single eight miles high through columbia who was their like record label again 
Uh, Columbia actually were forced the forced the band to re-record the single after they had already recorded at RCA Studios. And when I read this, I I was like, oh okay, um, makes sense because Columbia is their record label. They were pissed off that the birds weren't using their studio or their facilities. Um, I don't know how the birds got to record in RCA Studios. If I mean, like they were technically, um. Columbia's competition but anyway Columbia at the end of the day I was like Columbia would have just had to spend money re-recording so a bit of a like a loss for them but anyway the single uh, today noted to be one of the first psychedelic rock songs and admirably experimental and it's nod to some Indian classical influences the release was not an instant success at the time banned by many US stations on the grounds of it supporting recreational drug use the single peaked at number 14 in the US and did not crack the top 20 in the UK. So again, just to emphasise like more bad luck, that, you know, that they um, wrote an original single, Psychedelic Rock, something new, something fresh, something innovative, and then they had to re-record it. And I'd say if you have to re-record something at a whole other studio and everything, you lose momentum. Like it's probably not the same as when you get that really great recording or, or like elements of a recording somewhere and you're like that's it like that's that's the that's the take um, and then they had to re-record it in Columbia so that was probably disappointing for them not surprising maybe that Columbia made them re-record but like disappointing and then the single ended up being banned um not fully banned but banned uh enough to impact their commercial success so they probably thought that was going to be a, like a you know really big hit, like a new direction for the band. It's an original single because at the end I'll I'll go over how like Columbia wanted them to record another Dylan song and I think I think stick to that more like folk rocky kind of vibe, but um they wanted you know the head in their own direction but then they couldn't and then the single was banned so just yeah, more disappointment um for the birds uh. What do I say? Yeah, more disappointment. Uh, by this point, Gene Clark had exited the band. And the way I've written the article, it does... I have made it sound like he exited like earlier really quickly. Like, I've only really mentioned two singles here so far. But um, they did release... Like, they had some success with other, other releases and they did release more music. Um, just those two singles were the... I would have said the kind of peak or high points in their career, so like their debut and then their like their original single and going into a psychedelic rock sound. I I'm just pinpointing kind of the main points here. So by the by the psychedelic era that they're about to go into, yeah, Gene Clark has left the band, and like Alan Price of the Animals, who I spoke about in the last episode, uh, Gene Clark had a fear of flying as well, which contributed to anxiety and isolation with the group. So um, I think a few members in different bands had a fear of flying. It seemed to be quite a rational fear um, at the time. Just I, I read it in, in a few articles and stuff like that. This, uh, this member had a fear of flying and then like they couldn't, like they couldn't tour and then they had to leave. And then a lot of lineup changes happened in, in different bands. So um, for the birds, they, the rest of them, they continued on and remained like somewhat of a, of a healthy creative competitor for the Beatles, uh, but they could not outshine the dazzling Golden Boys from Liverpool. The high quality, high quality, the high profile departure of Clark was a big loss for the Birds, though they continued to release albums until disputes resulted in more lineup changes. So kind of like with the Animals, it was just like 
one one leaves then another leaves and then there's disputes and then they get more people and then there's disputes and there's just loads of lineup changes so the birds were quickly long gone in an original sense like the original um birds and future assortments of members experienced bouts of highs and lows so they never really had a consistent like with the beatles like they never really had a consistent success or like you know this is going good they didn't really have that from what i've read and then the Clarence White era is considered the final era of the birds who called it a day in early 1973. And there was reunions, I think, and different kind of revivals of the birds. But like in, in an original sense, or like the first wave of the birds, we'll say 1973 is when was when they called it quits. So this is the conclusion already quite a short article and and not a very positive one but just again I was really educating myself on how the industry worked and how honestly bad management and just like certain things really affected your commercial success and once you once once you didn't get it you you never got it that's not good English but you know what I mean um so between doubtful management critical press and a more aloof and erratic band character the birds were arguably not a recipe for success in the wake of the British invasion. Though pioneering in their own right, their career could not see them overtake the charming lads from Liverpool, whose charisma and collaborative spirit as a band achieved them an unparalleled level of worldwide fame. However, as we've had now almost 60 years to digest the British invasion, the wider music world can appreciate how both bands played off of each other's musical trademarks, with the two acts historically presented as integral parts of the music industry's changing landscape. So it may not sound like it, but um, I do believe that the birds were pioneering in their own right. I just think they were surrounded by a lot of unfortunate circumstances. So I have a few notes here again to understand or explain what was going against them, I think, and why... Now maybe some people might consider the birds one of the biggest bands of the sixties, but I I'm just not getting that impression. Um so again we're gonna go back to Columbia Records. So they wanted them after Mr. Tambourine Man, they wanted them, the birds, to record another Dylan single. And they were quite insistent on it. I do think they wanted them to stick to their folk rock sound, which is fair. Um I think during the early years of any bands during the 60s and 70s you you know you want them to stick with what they started with at least for a while because then you can map out their fan base and like have them stick to their niche so you know what you're like publicizing if that makes sense and so they were quite insistent on the whole Bob Dylan-esque style but also aside from that the problem for the birds I think overall was a lack of faith and so Columbia wanted to control of a lot of what they did which is what labels did back in the day but what I found very interesting was the band's musicianship seemed to be disrespected um, and how I'm going to back this up is on the B side of their Mr Tambourine Man release there was a song called I Knew I'd Want You and apparently the only actual member of the birds to play on this track was McGinn or McGuinn and like the rest so the producer sorry terry melcher or melker hired session musicians to play the rest of the instruments and i had just never seen that in any other like research that i was doing or i i've never heard of that happening to other bands maybe like one or two or like if the band doesn't have a bassist yeah they'll get in a bassist or whatever but uh or if like a band member just like does never show up they just get someone else in or whatever 
But um, yeah, so on that, on the B side, it was just McGinn and then session musicians. So the producer didn't feel that they were competent enough or that they gelled, had properly gelled together, which just surprised me because clearly, I mean, they show talent, like they could play and they show talent and they were signed to the label. So of course they had, you know, they had a bit of spark about them. So why he felt that they were in, like incompetent was, it's just interesting. I just never seen it before. And then, so yeah, I, I just thought it was a shame. And then moving on, so 1965, then they're going into the psychedelic rock sound and then they recorded Eight Miles High and then Columbia refused to release it because it wasn't recorded at their facility, so they had to re-record it. So more just more disappointment. And then that single ended up being banned and then, yeah, just bad luck and unfortunate circumstances. And Columbia, I don't know, I wouldn't have said they had the best relationship with Columbia but also not in a really in a musical sense more of like image sense the birds didn't have the good boy image that I think the Beatles had and like I think the music industry like the British invasion the music industry wanted that like yeah like the mop top suits slick charming charismatic band they, they wanted that image that's what got the fans and the birds didn't really have that so I I need to check yeah how old maybe the birds were during their debut because even if they were just a bit older they might have just a bit a bit more more mellow or like two different countries you know what I mean like they were just every band has has a different personality and nowadays in the music industry I think yeah your personality is huge and, and you need to stand out but I think back then maybe you needed to stand out but by being in a certain way if that makes any sense but um, so the band, like the birds, apparently like smiled less. They were a bit more erratic and aloof. And possibly if I'm thinking of like that's the their original song that got banned, they might have been one of those bands that your mom would not have let you listen to at the time. Like the whole like like recreational drug use in their lyrics. Like they would have been like a bad influence band, maybe. And then also, um, more criticism, uh, as a live act, the press seemed to be quite critical of the band Again, contributing to that sense of unfaithfulness in their sound and their image. And just overall, the birds were not backed. They didn't seem to be backed by the press or the their label fairly. Like, obviously, all bands will get their criticism, and that's fair. You need to, you know, you need to criticise in order to, to get the best of the best. But uh, it just seemed to be one thing after the other, and they were never really just given a chance to breathe or, like, show off what they could do. Uh, and they were also a bit overhyped in the sense of, or in the context of Beatlemania. So the Birds' publicist, Eric Taylor, was making them out to be America's answer to the Beatles. And that's not what they were. That, like, that's not what they stood for. And it, of course, that would be frustrating being branded something you don't want to be or be known for. Like, obviously, they were influenced by the Beatles, appreciated the Beatles, Um you know, two of the, the birds started out as like a like kind of a folky kind of act where they covered the Beatles' song, so there was respect there. But they didn't want to be the Beatles. They, they did not want, want it to be a copy or definitely America's answer to the Beatles. Even if maybe they did for a while, that's a huge thing to live up to. So just like that amount of pressure would have been absolutely insane. And then, not to criticise the birds, but again, just contextualising how stuff was like going against them. They were 
as a band a bit all over the place like that's what makes them so innovative and now like we appreciate them for that more like they started in like kind of folk and like so they were pioneering folk rock which hadn't really really been done before and then they paved the way for like psychedelia psychedelic rock and then later lineups of the band at one point they brought in a vocalist who was had like bluegrass roots so they were exploring more like that country rock kind of vibe so they were always dipping into different styles and looking to develop on what they could do and I think they should be respected for that because the Beatles are like if you compare the Beatles' kind of twist and shout era or when I saw her standing there era and then the Sgt Pepper's album maybe like there's a you know, contrast there the birds just weren't like appreciated as much as the Beatles in that sense um, like now that the music industry has had time to digest it we can see how innovative they were but at the time fair enough maybe Columbia were like no like you know we have you branded as like a folk rocky kind of thing like stick with that so but they wanted to just do their own thing and innovate and like fair, fair play to them because they obviously paved the way for lots of little streams so folk rock and maybe country rock to an extent and then psychedelic rock and they just had so many ideas and they really were an innovative force but uh, at the time that was probably just chaotic for fans and for their label and for them uh, and the different lineup changes as well like it was probably just um all over the place as a band and people couldn't keep up and maybe the band keep couldn't keep up with themselves so um yeah I, I enjoyed that article it was different difficult to read um and different kind of to write about and I'd like to, maybe I'll challenge myself again and find another American band that were left behind, we'll say, in the wake of Beatlemania. But uh, I, yeah, I'd like to stick with maybe kind of the era of the British invasion or definitely, we'll say 1963 to about 1966 bands who were like kicking off then. So I might look at the Beatles, though I'd have to really find like a niche area because obviously there's so much to write about. I, I really like their early years, so maybe like their debut or like who made the Beatles the Beatles, like because I, I couldn't tell you their producer or like their manager or anything like that. Like, was it all down to them? Was it their like, I'd say it was a mix of them and good publicity and everything like that. But um, yeah, I just don't know who I'm going to dip into next. I had mentioned the zombies, so maybe the zombies or... um. Maybe if there's any, like I've been kind of just sticking to the UK and, and the USA, but if there's any maybe European or, I don't know if there's any kind of Irish bands that were kicking off um, around this time of that style, that would be interesting because I, I don't really know. Eventually, when, like when I'm hitting the 70s and stuff, I'd like to get into more like harder rock and just like more, not rock and roll, but classic rock. Like I feel like they're kind of two different, two different things. So like Thin Lizzy, I'd love to um right about Thin Lizzy I tried to get in touch with uh Thin Lizzy's the 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 man who did Thin a lot of Thin Lizzy's artwork um is still like he's a great website and he still does artwork and somebody on basically I asked Reddit how does anybody have any information on the first ever gig that Thin Lizzy played in Swords or around Swords in Dublin and one person commented and they said you should get in touch with the with the artist so It'd be great if he got back to me and and just gave me some information or I don't know if he was there, but if he, if he was there and willing to chat about it, even great. So I'm looking forward to getting into the 70s, but I'm going to stick with the 60s because it's just so much. So if you have any suggestions, um, message me on through my website, so corporatepromotions.eu or via 
email cobrapromotionsireland at gmail.com or like on my socials on Instagram at cobrapromotions any anything at all if you have any comments feedback um, but definitely suggestions I need help on who to who to explore next so thank you for listening good luck